Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I am Bill Price. And today we are back, and uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know Better where this one's going to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More <laughs> pre-planned and efficient than ever. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. We'll... Uh, <laughs> In these uncertain times, this is going to be an uncertain episode, perhaps. I don't know. I shouldn't. That, that's not a negative. I'm not trying to undersell it, but it is. A, it is just a sign of our times. You are I think underselling it a little bit. All right. It's going to be a flashbang, amazing. Uh, let's see. I'm now you're other, overselling uh, it. Okay. <laughs> other little quotes from the 30s, but I, I think that's the only one I know. Flashbang. This it's going is to be going to be an episode for sure. Hey. There we go. There you go. That's all we need Fa- to sell. Yeah. They're factual. already listening. Yes. Can't dispute it. There we go. Well, thank you guys for joining us today uh, again. And we are going to talk games, of course, and uh, what we have or maybe have not been playing, what we wish we could be playing, what we, um, I don't know, hopes, dreams, <laughs> life, all of that. Uh, it's going to it's gonna trail in and out of, of uh, focus, I think, a bit here. But we can start on a solid footing with what have we been playing. And we actually were able to get together again to play another game with the Concept Medley Boys, uh, Corey and Donnie, and check out a game that they've been working on um, called... Um, oh, God, why can't Pocket, I... Pocket, Pocket yeah. Apiary. For some reason, I always... Forget, I don't know why I can't get it into my head. I, the apiary part, I obviously I uh, easily remember, but the pocket for some reason <laughs> just eludes me constantly when I'm trying to think of it. I think I confuse it with like other games. Uh, but anyway, yes, this is a um, a pocket. Initially, the the history of the game, right, was that they were designing it for a contest, and then they have since expanded the idea after the contest to a bigger. Uh, game, um, but it's still designed to be pretty small in structure, of course, not necessarily yes. tiny, it, tiny it, it to was, fit in your pocket. Yeah, it started out as uh, for a mint tin game contest, I think for the Game Crafter, where they were designing a mint tin game. So a game that would fit inside a mint tin like Mintworks and that kind of thing. And uh, it has definitely expanded, uh, at least the version we played seems to have expanded substantially beyond uh what should be included in a mint tin because uh we played with uh, at least what appeared to be full-size cards and uh um, right. and i i really really enjoyed this one i didn't know side story i didn't know necessarily what, and this just shows my ignorance what an apiary was before this and i kind of in my head was like oh an apiary like a monkey zoo so <laughs> i'm like are we raising apes are we raising monkeys and then, um, and then I'm like, airy, airy. Well, maybe it's like a bird thing, like an aviary. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, I think that's a totally separate thing. So when we started playing with bees, I'm like, oh, well, that must be what an apiary is. And sure enough, that that seems to uh, to really be what it is. Yeah, I, I can't say I knew could have told you what animal lives in an apiary either. <laughs> yeah, it's weirdly specific. Yeah, yeah, I like it though. It's a good word though, especially with uh, the a pocket apiary rolls off the tongue. Not that I can remember it, but when I do, the the two words together actually work out, work well together. It Doesn't roll off your tongue; it just rolls off the right. tongue. Right, a tongue yes. it yeah. potentially could roll off of and does. Exactly. Um, 
But uh, yeah, this is a really this was a fun get together again. And this game, uh, yeah, I, I think we are on the same page. I feel the same way. I really enjoyed this one. This is a fun um, fun structure. I, I love the I really like the art and I love the the theme of it. I don't know something about like bees. Uh, pollinating flowers and collecting nectar any game that has that i'm i'm always just really interested <laughs> i don't know why it gets me but i think part i was trying to think about this actually logically the uh, after we played because i i think what it is is that there's a certain um logistical planning that goes into like uh, bees specifically and how they go about doing things and so i feel like it lends itself to uh, game theme. I don't in in a lot of ways. There's other games that have bees in it where they're doing one thing or another, and it's usually uh, a sensical series of actions to a specific goal. And this is not an exception, but anyway, that's sort of a side note. I just enjoy well, yeah. the theme well, and the alignment. When you think with the about theme. it, think about it. The uh, the bees are like nature's worker placement game. Oh, fa- absolutely. Like, yeah, bees and ants. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they actually do a thing, whereas like people work and then they like go home and watch tv and stuff like that but like bees and ants like they don't go home and watch tv they don't even have tvs they're way too small (laughs) yeah it's not even a possibility right so they just like work from like birth to death and and have like a rigid structure just trying to sort of outperform all the other bees that or ants or whatever it is or whatever they're doing like so they are actually kind of when you think about it you're right. They they're the perfect game mechanism. Yeah. Uh, Ruthless wow. efficiency. Creepily perfect. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's um. Well, let's let's uh let's stop beating around the wood. Let's give a broad con- or uh, explanation of the games, uh, so we can at least explain to people what we were playing outside of the beautiful bee and, and flower art. Um, this game is. Uh, a game of one, two, four players they have been playing with. I'm not sure if they've completely ironed it out, but they do have an automata um, structure, so you can play this solo. And it looked really interesting. We didn't obviously play that. We played with uh, all four of us and then a three-player game. But um, the structure of the game is is that you are uh, in control of your own little apiary, and you have a bee or bees that you are sending out into the field of wildflowers to pollinate and bring back certain colors of pollen to fire off actions to do other things to of course build up your little engine and sending your bees from the apiary to the field from the field to the honeycombs which i guess are part of the apiary but kind of separate um back to the main stage of your apiary to do all sorts of different placements there's some really interesting um structures in the placement of your bee or bees, which is really, really interesting in this game and something I hadn't quite experienced like this before. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's sort of the broad strokes of how the game structure is, is working. Yeah, it had some really, really cool choices, which uh, which you know I love. Um, and but, but it was really simple. It's one of those games where it's like you can do one of like three things. Right. But how you do them and when you do them and the way that you do them are like have huge huge impact and i don't think there's any one like math way to go about it that's like i'm the most efficient um i don't think did who who won the first one you won the first one right i won the second game uh yeah yep and and i'm assuming Corey and donnie had played it before this since you know they created it so um my thought was that um, 
it even having played it so many times they haven't mathed it out you know it's still one of those things where you you can play with somebody who's brand new to it uh who may not know the ins and outs of oh here's what can happen late game or here's kind of how you have to play the middle game you can figure it out but still be very competitive um and there's a lot of games that, that 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 isn't uh that that isn't the case for and there's not much in the way of randomness per se in this game um the garden in the middle where you can send bees to and fro are um are are random but otherwise i mean you're specifically everyone kind of has the same cards in front of them they're just in a different order um they your base cards do all the same thing everybody has the right to buy like the same stuff so i mean there's very little in the way of of randomness um so so it really does come down to really interesting choices uh and you actually feel like you're you're accomplishing something there were first first turns like my first turn in the first game i did something completely ridiculous but so did donnie and you and (laughs) Corey kind of did something similar um but it it all ended up that uh those you make one blunder and you don't lose the game you know you're just kind of uh felt like everybody was in it from the get-go and I thought that was really, really cool. The other thing that I really liked about it and I enjoy about games in general when they can do this is the main resource that you win with is honey. So your your whole goal is to kind of have the most honey at the end of the game. Points, the most points, but one of the ways you get points, the big way you get points is collecting these sets of honey. In the beginning, honey is so tough to get that there was a point in time in the first game when you finally got your first honey when nobody else had any. And I'm like, well, Kaz is going to win this game with one honey. Right. And right. Because I couldn't see any conceivable way that any of the rest of us were ever going to get some. It just seemed like it had to, but it, it came and it came quick and it, it, it really, uh, the floodgates kind of opened at one point and you kind of saw how all of the work you were doing in the beginning was sort of manipulating things for this boom of honey towards the end. And uh, and that's really cool. I like when uh, the goal is not super easily obtainable. And so it actually means something. When you get honey in this game, it doesn't mean you just took a turn. It means that you, you actually did something and you've planned for something. It sets yourself up for something. Uh, right. And... And I really, really like that. There's a lot of games that just have they're they're just come out. And you're like, okay, uh, I can just get random points every single turn, and at the end, I win 150 to your 136. Uh, but in this <laughs> game, it's like I win like 17 to 14 or something like that. And uh, and that's that that I think is really cool because every every little bit, everything you do counts. I like that. Yeah, yeah. No, what, kind of what you were saying before too. There's um. There's the ability to make a misstep but correct it. Like I think, especially in I think in the second game, there's definitely things that I was I was trying to do because I was trying to experiment with like doing other options. And in doing that, I, I realized I was like, oh man, I was making a lot of mistakes here that I, um, I was you know I was I wasn't going after one single strategy. I was going after like a few things, and I could see like, oh, I should have done that in that order. But anyway, but I also wasn't out of the running by any means in trying to. Um, mess around with some different options because what you're doing um, is you're pulling out basically cards or sorry flowers from the meadow into your little 
garden. I'm sure they have a specific name for your personal player area. But you have uh, these cards, and each card of a flower has an action that it fires off. But you can only have one active action in your three rows of flowers. So you're going to have three possible actions to fire off. And the trick is to combo them in different ways, but they're also going to be changing throughout the game. And so you can easily make missteps there or suddenly create yourself a shortage of like nectar on your personal meadow or um, a lot of different ways, basically, this can go wrong. But uh, it is interesting how even though I felt like it was like, oh, I made a misstep there, there are still avenues to fulfill like realign your strategy to align with whatever you just did and i think that is a huge sign of a well-designed game so i'm really excited for this one to come out uh eventually whenever they i'm not sure if they've decided on direction of how they're going to release this one but it it was yeah it was really really cool and the interplay of the structures and the ability to realign after um you know, not stumbling isn't the right word, I would say, but like maybe choosing one option over, over another and then realizing, oh, maybe the other one was better. But still, you're not out of the game by any means. And I think that's a sign of a good game. So it's just enough agency and enough luck uh, to be able to play, uh, really feel like satisfying and you're not limited. And also everyone's beholden to the same options that you are and, and as well. And so there's also that same, um, okay, well, I have two choices. They might not be ideal, but I'm going to go one way or the other just based on my inclination. And they're both viable. So yeah, that was that was really, really cool, really satisfying. I, I was happy we played two rounds to experiment with both a four-player and a three-player game. And, and they did feel drastically different too. Let's talk a little bit about that. That was interesting how they felt. Uh, or actually, I should ask you, did you feel that they felt drastically different? Uh, drastically made me strong, but I definitely felt they felt like different, but they scaled well. They they did feel different. Um, they it definitely scaled well for sure. I I thought it uh, scaled really well, um, and I'm not a hundred percent sure which one I liked better. They 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 did feel like different experiences, but um, but both equally valid. Uh, sure. There's a lot of a lot of games you start playing and you you play at different player counts and you're like this was meant to be four player game or this was meant to be a two player game. They added right. more <laughs> or three is really the sweet spot here. Um, but it just it really affected uh, I think different player counts really affects the the decisions that you make as far as uh, being able to set other people up it's um because you you can accidentally and you will accidentally set other people up to get honey uh, right. just by the the way that it happens but I think it's a little easier in a three-player game I think it's a little easier to maneuver yourself into honey uh, than it sure. than it is in a four player game. You're almost kind of relying on other people to do something that puts you in a little better position. You still have agency, but I think it's more uh, there's more dependency on interplay there than with three. Uh, and with three people, it uh, it was it was just more. I felt like it was more. Uh, there were more rewards that were kind of the honey was a little easier to get with three. I felt like uh, mm-hmm. with four, I really felt like you were it's a honey starved game at that point, and you really kind of feel like every little bit counts. Feels like it counts for a little more. I, I know that um, technically the with four players you play with more honey cards, so there really wasn't necessarily that much more competitive. But it did feel like um, getting the honey was a little more of an achievement in four than three. But I, I really sure. liked both. I really liked both. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be inter- interesting to see. I could see this 
playing well as a two-player game too it just sort of has that um i don't know that vi- that feel to it you can see the scaling actually aligns pretty well so yeah this yeah, is a really fun one real easy i think it'd be really easy with two players to set yourself up to just go insane over honey um, right because with with three or four players like when you think to put stuff into the apiary like you're having to look at every other person and how many cubes they have and will it make back to you and did you just give somebody honey on accident um but with two players i think you it, it'd be a lot more uh a lot easier to set yourself up and a lot easier to not set the other player up or to yeah, not, I could... kind, of, kind of mess them up I, I think it'd be i think it'd be way more take that ish with two. yeah oh for sure yeah which and but I, yeah, I, I feel like I'd really like it, <laughs> that that type of take that. Because I feel like you, it'd be a race to the honey for sure, but also within that, you could probably um, still be going after that filling out your meadow victory as well. Because you can be doing take that while still offsetting like their honey grabs and trying to get your own, of course. But while you're doing that, you're still able to grab more powers. Do you know in two-player, do you remember how the scaling does... Um, does the meadow cards what how do the meadow cards change because it is i'm assuming there's less available to grab as it in was with two, between four and three yeah in a two-player game there there are less because like with three it, does it go down to four there was less than four um there was one more with four and i think with with two you takes away another one so i think it's only four card three three or four cards that you play with in that yeah. center area with two so that might get a little interesting when, uh, because it'd probably be a lot more likely that you won't get that there won't be a certain suit that you're looking for, a certain type of flower, right? Um, so that that could get interesting. That's that that could be where some of the randomness could be a little bit more random uh, at two players when it comes to that, how you set yourself up and what you're looking for, that kind of thing. You know, one thing I want to mention while we're talking about it real quick is that uh, that I really liked is is um, uh, the set collection of the flower types in a way, you know how it's like you can get bonus points if you don't put the same flower next to the uh, flower previous in your in your columns. And mm-hmm. we were even talking about when we were playing, but I really I really like that. Like I love how when games set that up, there's a minor penalty uh, or not a penalty, but just a loss of potential points when you um, do one thing one way, uh, typically set collection or aligning an engine uh one way or another um but once you kind of get over the fact like who cares i'm going to put two lavenders next to each other because i just i need to get a lavender here i like the power it does and i'm just going to forego the points and then focus on collecting collecting flowers um i don't know why but i just really really love that about this this game it was very it was a very satisfying sort of um not a eureka moment, but just a freeing moment within the gameplay where it's just like, because when we first started, I was like, all right, I am never going to double up a flower. <laughs> I, I just I like ended remember... up doing that in the first turn of the first yeah, no, game. Like, I know, oh. I know. Yeah, I think you and Corey both did. Um, and then, uh, and I was like, I'm never doing it. And then the next game we played, I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to care about that as much. And and I didn't, I got too caught in doing too many strategies, but I also realized, oh, you know, if I don't care about that, um, it opens up the possibility of building my meadow more freely in a lot of different ways. But I'm glad it's there because having that sort of reminder of potential bonus points is also important, but knowing that it's not going to destroy you if you do have two lilacs was really cool. So it's that subtle 
up and down of a potential point gain or or uh, not lost, but a potential point um, opportunity cost lost uh, in that mechanism. Really, really, I don't know, just really, really, uh, uh, it's, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> Tweak me in the right you way. <laughs> you, you, you super yeah. liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. So anyway, I just, I thought that was a cool structure because you only, like I mentioned, I think I said it before, but you only have three columns of flowers to collect. You only have three planting rows or columns um, that you can add flowers to. And so there's only ever going to be uh, three active flowers, flowers with powers that are firing off. There's going to be lots of flowers in that row or column, but um, there's only going to be three active ones. And so just, it feels like, oh, I'm so limited by this, but then it's like, oh wait, I can just continually get these as long as I like the powers or the abilities that flower. And, you know, if I can line them up perfectly and not make sure I double up, then great. But if not, it's still really fun to align these and who cares about that as much still because if I can do that and get honey then I'm kind of offsetting in a lot of ways those minimal point gains that I might have gotten yeah I agree I so agree. anyway just really like that mechanism so I thought I'd thought I'd mention it uh, right. let's see what else have you been able to get anything else in I know uh, it's been a tough schedule for you as well lately I was not. Uh, I was hoping to live vicariously through you for the next few minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, I got a couple other ones in um, that I have been enjoying. Uh, number one, high on the list, which I wanted to definitely talk about because of our deep, deep love for Phil Walker Harding, was the game Silver and Gold. I was able to pick this up recently. You can get it a lot of different places, but obviously I got it online, um, and I... Uh, uh, played it a few different times. I actually played it with my son, my six-year-old, and my wife, and my six-year-old, and my wife. So I, this is the perfect game for me because it fits all sort of configurations of our specific family. But this is another really, really great game where it's accessible to younger and new players, but also I think is very satisfying for um, uh, veteran gamers, of course. So Silver and Gold is in the wheelhouse of um, a roll and write, but in cards. So it kind of reminds me of the Welcome To structure where you're using the same ideas in a roll and write, but you're doing it all in cards. And in this game specifically, you are using cards and it comes with the best dry erase markers I have ever seen included on <laughs> any game. Most of the time, they're just pure garbage. They are Super garbage. just yeah. terrible, terrible markers that they got as cheap as possible. And kudos to them for making an attempt, but it's like, why even bother? Uh, these are <laughs> really good. So I got to give Pandasaurus Games great props for uh, production quality here. Um, but anyway, you are just taking um, these treasure map cards. And on the treasure map cards is a uh, miscellaneous grid setup. So it's it, uh, it kind of... Uh, think of just like a lot of squares set up in sort of r random orientations of kind of a little tre treasure map on the bottom half of the card. Um, the top half of the card tells you how much points it's worth. And so there are four types of treasure map layouts or treasure map sizes, I should say, in points. The smaller is easier to complete and the bigger is harder to complete, but maybe has more bonus actions that can fire off. And basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to complete a card by filling it up with X's on all the little boxes of the grid in whatever setup it is. And how you determine which uh, X's you can put where are there is another little deck of cards and I think there's yeah there's eight of them 
each round, seven of them will pop up, so there'll always be one that isn't shown. And on those cards are Tetris shapes. And these kind of reminded me of, um, that, yeah, the sta standard Tetris shapes. You've got the L shape, you've got the line, you've got uh, a little corner, you've got the block, you've got um, uh, the T shape. And so these are, uh, let's see, at the most, I think, four blocks in size of any configuration. And so you're going to be trying to orient them in some way onto your little uh, treasure map card, one of the two, and then X those out as it comes up. You choose one to X out, uh, one treasure map card to focus, put it on, and um, and then next turn you, or next one that pops up, you choose another. So it seems very simple, and it is, but there's just this really cool little interplay of mechanisms in here that make it um, really, really fun to play. It's nothing super new, but it definitely feels new-ish. You know what I mean? It's like uh, adjacent to things that I've played before, but new enough to feel like, oh, I'm glad I have this game. It's not like I can say, oh, I could play um, Patchwork and feel like I'm playing this game. You know, it feels like I'm playing a, its own unique little thing. So it's very quick. Yeah. It takes place over four rounds. Each round, though, has seven turns. And um, I, like I said, I played in three, two, in two configurations and had fun uh, in both configurations. And uh, yeah, this is, this is a really great one. I, I can't wait to get this to game night like live and see what people think about it. Yeah, I've heard so many good things about it. Um, obviously, Bill Walker Harding. So, I mean, right. what? Um, <laughs> but I, I was intrigued right off the bat. But uh, I everything I've heard has been, uh, I mean, there's people out there online saying that this is their favorite Phil Walker Harding game, which. Oh, wow. That's I mean, saying something. Yeah, right, I know, right? Um, I, I don't. I can't imagine how good this game would have to be for this to be my favorite Phil Walker Harding <laughs> game. But uh, where would you where would you put it as far as like uh, let's let's uh, probably your top ones. I'm thinking what Gizmos, Baron Park, and uh, um, what's the other one? Imhotep. Um, uh, Imhotep. Yes. Um, you know, it it's way 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 lighter than all of those. So it, well, the way I would put it is if you want. The sense of like a Phil Walker Harding des design. Baron Park? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's pretty, pretty light. Uh, if you want a sense of like a Phil Walker Harding design, but in a pretty quick game, this this is it. This this to me actually reminds me of a, of a very perfect game to take out for a couple of drinks with some friends. Is you can play this game pretty passively. There is strategy here, of course, but it's also a game where there's um, all those things that we like about game so we've talked about before uh, on each flip of that card for everyone does something everyone gets to use that shape that that tetra shape that pops up and apply it to their treasure cards even though it's an active player that's flipping it and there's a turn order on uh, bonuses that can pop up it goes in turn order but everyone is doing something at the same time always on each flip and so it feels like a really active game and in that way um the the successes i'd say that we like about some phil walker harding games are definitely here but it still feels very 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 light i'd say even lighter than like imitap or baron park it is lighter it's it's very light but so but the obvious the obvious comparison here is is as you stated welcome to um because it's a flip and right and uh better or worse than welcome to <sighs> yeah, once again 
Uh, lighter. <laughs> oh. I, it's 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 still it's very very light. That's so it it definitely feels like both of those scratch a different itch. If you want just a quick, fun structure to play with, I would grab silver and gold. If you want something a little bit longer with a bit more depth of strategy, then definitely welcome to. Welcome to to me is more of the um, flip and write gamers game. This is a game okay. that gamers would like, but I think it's not like this is like a great warm up game, a great between game games, or a great. We've got a few minutes. Uh, let's let's play a game. Um, game. Whereas Welcome to to me is more of a longer experience. You could play this pretty like 15, 20 minutes pretty easily and uh, and get through it. So um, although playing it three times that I have played it, there's definitely different strategies to pursue. So I feel like I haven't even revealed some of the options in here yet or discovered some of the ways to go about the game yet so um for a light game there's more to it than i i guess i expected but so I, light, I wouldn't say light game i'm surprised it's people's favorite walker harding game i i uh, uh maybe because it's still good i do like it but i definitely think like gizmos or imatep are probably um uh, at least my my faves. Although, gosh, I do like Baron Park a lot too. I can't decide. What am I even trying to decide for? Maybe if you played it with a whole bunch of grown-ups, it might <laughs> all of a sudden be less light. You it know? could be. Maybe. Yeah. Could I mean, be. I, I don't know. I mean, I, how many does it play? Up to? Plays up to four. Two to four. Yep. Okay. So you play it with like four adults. Maybe it's uh, maybe it becomes more uh, comes heavier. Yeah. Cutthroat. I well, I played it with Shelly, and we are we are both very cutthroat in our head-to-head games, and uh, it was more tense, of course, than playing with my son, but it was still light enough that I really enjoyed it. And the other thing that's really cool about this game is it once again is another game where um, point spreads are pretty tight. In like playing my playing with Isaac, I'm helping him a bit, of course, and um, I definitely won the game, but. Um, you know, I didn't destroy him. Like he still had Did points you throw in his face, like jump up and <laughs> oh, down always. and be like, I got you. Yep. No, right before bed. <laughs> I just remind him that I won today and he lost and I say good night. <laughs> um, no, I just, it's a, it's one of those games like, and that's a, you know, not a realistic example of course, cause I'm playing with a six year old who gets game structures, but of course is six. And so, um, but I'm helping him a bit, but he also gets it enough to be able to do, make his own decisions on like how to, which treasure to apply the sh- to the X's for. And it's sort of fascinating to watch, um, how his chaotic strategies manifest themselves at the end of the game. And, uh, sometimes they do really well because he's just sort of, you know, sort of that, uh, idea of like playing with poker players who don't know poker that well, but their own chaos in, in despite themselves helps them. Um, in that idea here where there is structures that you can understand and follow through on without knowing how to uh, maybe delve deeper into those structures. Even when you can, though, I feel like there's still a good it's a sign of a good design when you are aligning pretty close to each other in point spread, winner or loser or however many places there are in the uh, player count. Shelly and I played and I did win that one as well, but I uh, it was a tighter win. I think I won by one point and um, it's another structure of a game where you can't quite tell exactly who is winning you each treasure card has a point value assigned to it and it's either 8 10 12 or 14 points base for 
crossing out all the X's or all the boxes on the treasure. And so you can kind of see everyone's stack growing. You can kind of get a rough idea of their treasure values as they're growing, but you're also gathering your own treasures. And within those treasures, there's also little bonuses that you can X off to get extra points on your personal player board. And so it, it really is hard to get an exact sense of where you guys are. You feel like you're behind or you feel like you're ahead, but then when you count it out, you're like, oh damn, we were really close to each other by the end. So it's just, that's really, really interesting uh, structure in here that I, that I enjoyed as well. It doesn't, it's not obvious who's doing better, which some roll and rights can be. Welcome to doesn't suffer that much from it, but it, but it can sometimes if there's a blowout win. Yeah, well, with Welcome to, like, you're not paying attention normally to other people's sheets. Right. So you don't kind of have any idea what path they went down a lot of times or, or anything. And I, I feel like, and I, I really enjoy games where you don't right off the bat know. The game ends and you're like, okay, I feel like I did well, but you don't really know. Games where you you can get behind and you know you're behind and you know you're losing, just right. I mean that sucks. Yeah, that's no, nothing's worse than sitting there trying to finish up a game knowing that you have no shot whatsoever. Right. Uh, yeah. And that that anytime you can build in at least some suspense to the end, I don't care if I lose by a hundred points, as long as I don't know I'm losing by a hundred points the right. whole game. <laughs> right. You know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah, so totally, totally agree. Cool yeah, it does that. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 just great. So it, yeah, it ticks off a lot of little boxes for a small game that's um, quick, light. But I definitely think uh, kind of what you were mentioned before. If we brought this to game night with four players of our game crew, uh, this would be a different game. It would be much more of a tight, focused game. But you can play it very lightly, and and that's not to diminish our the or make it sound like everyone in our game night is so intense that we can't have fun. But uh, you can very much play this lightly, and this is a game that I think it'll be like one I keep in the car and a bag, and just you know when when we can go out again. Um, I I think this would be great for taking out. So. Um, and also the durability of having cards that can accept a dry erase marker and easily wipe off are, uh, you know, sort of lends it to the durability of a pretty, pretty cheap little game. So yeah, definitely recommend this one. I would go check it out and, um, try it out. See if you can get it. You can definitely get it right now, but, um, a really good one, really good one for hanging out on the patio or your deck and having a couple beers and playing silver and gold. Nice. That is definitely on my list. You, you said something about when we can go out again and I do you remember going out? <laughs> I vaguely I know as a concept. Did we used yes. to? <laughs> did we used to? We used to leave the house and go to meet <sighs> friends in like in real life. Is that how that worked? I'm trying to remember. Did we go? Did we like congregate at the grocery store when we were shopping? Because I can't remember any other physical location outside of my house no. and the grocery store. Yeah, I so think that's all there is. It's all a vague haze. Oh, this has been the most boring apocalypse of all time i was promised <laughs> really is, yeah. zombies i was promised zombies and there are none yeah um, yeah it's very mundane yeah. <laughs> oh well eventually i'm i'm hoping eventually and, and we were talking about this before uh we started recording but it, it is just everything that we talk about and and all the experiences that we have and everything that makes this show uh what it's historically been uh, has all been really rooted in 
community and rooted in game group and rooted in, you know, uh, those interactions and the conversations we have while playing stuff and just being like, Hey, you know, this, this is a really neat idea. And you're like, Oh yeah. And then we talk about it and we're brainstorming and we have these, these cool concepts to talk about. And that for me has been the toughest part of all of this has just not been not having that sense of community and that sense of involvement. Um, especially yeah. without having like that set time and uh and that that's that set aside here's what we do we go somewhere else and we just do this and uh and I I miss that a lot I yeah. miss you <laughs> I miss you too buddy yeah oh. I uh I uh, I agree I that's the thing especially kind of living in a state like where we live in it well most states have these beautiful spring it's coming out and you're just um but you know you get into the mode of going out and maybe colorado has great beer gardens and outdoor seating and places to just meet up with people it's very built around that and so yeah it's hard i I miss it too it feels like there's something drastically missing from right now (laughs) when you would be doing those things normally more so i do hope we can ease back into a more normal schedule of at least having some limited exposure to people that we know and care about and want to see in person and hang out and get that that's also important so yeah hopefully we're heading that direction but um, yeah i i hope so without being irresponsible obviously Um, because nobody wants to people put people's lives at risk or anything like that so got to do it safely but but i do i do hope that uh we can reestablish some normalcy at some point yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because that, that is important. I think um, peace of mind and people's just sanity and uh, functionality, uh, where humans are social beings, and that's an important thing to uh, realize and understand. But uh, I, yeah, I also agree. Steps, baby steps. But um, yeah, anyway, in Colorado, I'm excited that we are heading that direction to a degree and taking those cautious steps towards that direction. So that's exciting. Um to see. So I hope everyone has that avenue in some way and finding new and creative ways to do it. I know there's obviously that virtual game option that we've talked about before. And um, I've noticed that people are even doing new and creative ways of doing that and thinking of like theme uh, get togethers or um, maybe uh, jumping into different types of games that they've never would have tried before. And I don't know, just ways to push your little social boundaries in uh, our limited structure right now so So when when do you think we'll see the first coronavirus themed board game (laughs) i know it's coming right oh yeah no it's got to be by fall right someone's working on something feverishly right now i (laughs) would imagine somebody captured that in like was it december or january when it was really coming out of china and they're like oh yeah and uh and maybe it got a little bigger than they assumed that it would. But I mean, I, I know we have we have pandemic and we have like plague ink and and all those kinds of things. But uh, yeah. I'll bet we see a uniquely coronavirus themed game at some point this year. Uh, we've got to. Yeah. Uh, oh, I just looked it up, and looks like there's already one of uh, that someone took a spin on. Well, this is more of a taking a game and spinning it off, a traditional game and spinning it off with a new theme of more of our times. I think that one of the cards, it looks like some sort of card game, and one of the cards is even uh, Tiger King. (laughs) So this feels more like just (laughs) these, a game about the last three months than the coronavirus as a whole. (laughs) That's the other uh, one. When are we going to see, when are we going to see a game about um, big cat parks? (laughs) That 
I, I feel like we're going to see a slew of Big Cat Park games or crazy Big Cat owners <laughs> in the next year. They're going to yeah. be there's going to be several spins on those. That is a well that will be tapped for uh, the foreseeable future, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's like Redneck Tiger Park. Like, <laughs> I can do it, but I'm not infringing on any copyrights right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'll be. Uh, I, I gotta say, I'm looking for 2020 and 2021 are gonna be very interesting on theme choices for game dis- for board games. There's just been so much out there that is in the zeitgeist that I am very curious how people spin it out. Yeah, yeah. Life is giving us a lot of good options right now. So <laughs> good. I don't know about good the options. A lot of options. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm sure we'll see like social distancing the board game. I'm sure we'll see all kinds of stuff like that. But, uh, you know, grocery shopping during coronavirus. Can you stay away? You know, making sure that you stand in the right place in line and that you don't get too close, but you still get everything on your shopping list. I almost <laughs> want to play this game right now. Yeah. It's just waiting to be designed. I, yeah. I, that would be like actually going off what you were saying about the uh, a easier and more diminished apocalypse. <laughs> it's that game. It's like Dead of Winter, but very chill. And everyone's just trying to get beans. And that's it. There's, that's the yeah. biggest threat. They just want to get beans and some toilet paper and <laughs> maybe some hand sanitizer. If it's in. If not, no big deal. I'll try again tomorrow. Toilet Ugh. paper, the board game. That could be one. You know, I was reading it, and this is an aside, and and if nobody cares, that's okay. Um, I was reading an article about the toilet paper thing, that it's not people necessarily hoarding toilet paper. It's uh, it's the switch from household toilet paper uh, to household toilet paper from commercial toilet paper. So, like, the commercial toilet paper market just completely went away. Right. And all of a sudden, everyone's household toilet paper consumption went up, like, 40 to 60%. Right. So, that imbalance there of people working from home is actually what caused a shortage, shortage because uh, numbers that big and that disrupting just completely destroy a logistics chain. Right. So, um, super not board game related, but a fun fact. <laughs> but sign of our times. Or yeah. a fun concept, I guess. Yeah. I mean, in a way it is, because that's, I feel like anyone who's waiting for a Kickstarter right now, um, or a game that was supposed to be projected for 2020 release is got to consider those supply chains. I mean, there's that deep, deep string of events that tie into each other that is, makes up a supply chain that has been heavily disrupted and board game structures are no exceptions. So it is interesting how those disrupt and get uh, realigned in different ways. So anyway, it is an Speaking interesting of, examination. Did did you get um, in the mail? Did you get uh, Western Tropic? No. Did you? Oh, I did. I have it. I got oh. it a week ago. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited to play it, but it's three to eight players, and we yeah. only have two two here. So I got to wait for <laughs> my son or wait for somebody at some point to play with. Um, but yeah, I got it. Oh, nice uh, from our buddy from our buddy Len. Len. Yeah, Len Kendall. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that we interviewed not too long ago. So yeah, that's all. Uh, oh, that's I, exciting I, then. Yeah, it's really nice. I, I really, really like the look of it. It's uh, it I love the art when we were really uh, well produced. Reviewing it, it was so cool. That's awesome. Really that's super well exciting. Yeah. Nice. Oh, cool, man. There's so many like 
games to play as soon as we can get back together mounting on the list <laughs> right now. It's there's too many. I'm yeah. all excited about all of them, but that's awesome. That's great. I want to I, I play Winterborn with you too. Yeah, like, yeah, me really too. bad. I know that one looks so cool. Yeah, after we did the talked about it last time, or uh, when we talked about it, I can't remember if it was last episode or two, but I was doing more looking into it, and yeah, I'm super interested in that one as well. So, uh, when will this end? Anyway, eventually. All right, guys. Well, speaking of ending, I feel like it's a good time to call it for today. Um, we had, uh, yeah, we had some got some playthroughs in, and I hope you guys are all finding time to get some playthroughs in in many different ways or whatever way way you can do it and um we'll be plugging away as well and trying to get uh maybe i don't know maybe we'll figure out a way or do some zoom playthroughs uh, if all if we have to (laughs) i have yet to play over zoom i feel like it wouldn't be that bad but i feel like if one person could set it up so that other people could kind of see what they have right that's the rub it's a lot of okay I want to move that person over there and then somebody could move. I, I think you could do it with the right game, but it'd be tough with like hidden information. Like how do you right, see yeah. your, how do you see your hand of cards, you know, without everybody seeing your hand of cards? Yeah. Well, it's like a lot of, uh, it's a lot of logistics for one person to run. That's the thing is like, I feel like whoever's running it is having the least amount of fun because they're trying to scramble to make sure everyone's got their stuff all figured yeah. out. But, um, but I'm sure there's a way to do it. I, they, so I'd be up for trying that if we uh, if we can't get out in the next few weeks. But um, but anyway, uh, lots of other options to try it. Um, speaking of putting stuff online, we've been we'll talk about more about this in the next episode. But just as a little uh, teaser right now, we've been talking about trying to get um, our game Epic Battle Aftermath into a version that people could try out virtually in um, the near future. So we'll get more into that on our next episode. But just to give you guys a sense of um, that possibility, which we're excited about, and um, hopefully we'll be able to come to fruition soon. So that yes. would be fun. Get some direct input from you guys. Um, Agreed. All right. Well, if you would like to direct input us otherwise, before then, of course, you can do that in several different ways. You can hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at RoastedGames1. You can also go to our podcast hosting page, eavesdrop.com, and scroll down to the Roasted Games page and fill out our comment form. You can hit us up on email at RoastedGamesCo at gmail.com. Or, of course, find us on Facebook at Roasted Games. And uh, we would love to hear back from you in any of those direct or any of those ways uh, to communicate with us. We uh, hope you guys are doing well and uh, getting some gameplay or at least keeping your sanity in uh, the minimal amount of way. I hope the suggestions today of a couple small games that you could pick up are uh, hit home because those are great quick ones. And even a little game, if you don't have a time or the patience right now to just sit down with a big game, these just little games are really great to jump in and at least get some. Uh, distraction out and uh something fun to engage with your immediate family outside of realizing how close you guys are and how long it's been since you've showered (laughs) so anybody anyway everybody thank you so much for listening and we will catch you all on the next episode bye